Hello and welcome back to the InfraDig podcast. My name is Angus Leslie Melville and I'm Editorial Director of IJ Global Infrastructure Journal. I have with me John Flint, Chief Executive of UK Infrastructure Bank, UKIB. Now, for those of you keeping eagle eye on LinkedIn, you'll have noticed of recent times that UKIB has been staffing up. This prompted me to set up a fireside chat to hear what's going on from the horse's mouth. John, welcome to InfraDig. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great to have you online. Okay, right. We're going to start off straight away with um, UKIB's purpose in life. Now, to my mind, it was set up to replace European Investment Bank, EIB, in the UK. Now, post-Brexit, the EIB made it perfectly clear we weren't getting another penny. So, so from that was born UK Infrastructure Bank. So, am I, am I right in thinking that? Am I, and, and, and I, I'm just waiting for you to say crowding in. So, over, over to you. <laughs> Is UKIP the new EIB? Well, partly yes. I think it's worth remembering that the EIB's mandate was a lot broader than ours. So our focus is infrastructure for net zero and for regional and local economic growth. So we have a narrower mandate than the EIB. But I think leaving the EU and losing access to the EIB was absolutely a catalyst, one of the catalysts for the creation of of the Infrastructure Bank. I think the other big catalyst was just a a growing recognition in, in the public sector that we needed a different kind of intervention to ensure that the scale of finance required for the transition is going to be mobilised. Um, you know, it's, it's a very large ticket for, for the government. It's an enormous ticket for the private sector. We need some interventions, including the infrastructure bank, to sit between the public and the private sectors to try and make sure that the finance flows as it needs to. So you're going to be lending and lending to infrastructure. Clearly, um, renewables is going to be key to that. But uh, okay, that's the goal. We are, and we're going to be lending. But the, you know, I'll come back to the the word you want to hear me say: crowding in. Um, that's the one. That's got to be a, <laughs> a big part of what we do because uh-huh. you know the, the estimates of the financing required for for the transition to net zero alone are between six hundred and fifty billion pounds and a trillion pounds over the next twenty years. Our financial capacity, our initial financial capacity, is twenty two billion, which actually is a lot for a new arm's length body, mm. but in the context of the transition, not a lot. What we need to do is we need to go looking for market gaps, market failures, frictions, um, and we need to play a role in solving those so that the, the private capital flows, which I think we'll need to meet to to meet the bulk of the financing needs, that they will flow because we've created the right conditions for it. So we're not a traditional lender. We have no competitors. We don't care or look at league tables. We need to. We scan the infrastructure landscape. We have a sense for what the policy objectives are. We understand markets and where we think we can be additional to the markets, where we think we can solve a problem, we will deploy public money. If we're not needed, we won't. And it's worth noting. You know, we've done ten, or we've announced ten transactions to date. Mm-hmm. We've we turned down a lot more than we do, okay. not because there are bad projects, but because mm-hmm. we're not convinced that we're actually needed. 
Okay, um, you know, I, I keep on referencing EIB, but I, like yourself, I've been kicking around the infrastructure and energy sector for quite a long time. Um, I, I, I'm always left thinking of TIFU, the Treasury Infrastructure Finance Unit, um, Andy Rose, um, post uh, global, well, during the global financial crisis, it was created and it was sort of the lender of last resort. Would, would you class yourself as that? And um, I guess it's a, there are some aspects of that description that, that I think would fit. Um, you know, if, if there are policy pathways that have been set out um, and there are clear obstacles to um, the financing happening for those, for those pathways to be met, um, we could be seen as something uh, of a lender of last resort. Um, but it's, it's about ensuring we're supposed to be creating the conditions for the financial markets to operate, deploying capital in a smart way. And in many ways, solving problems that the private markets on their own can't solve, either because they're regulated and they end up with regulatory barriers or regulatory frictions, mm-hmm. or because they don't yet have the risk appetite to do the kinds of financing that, that need to get done to unlock and open markets. Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, as I recall, Tifu only lent to Manchester Waste PPP, and that was an outrageous stinker. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> hopefully, you won't be dragged into such stinkers like that. Um, and uh, yes, and you've already done ten already, and they only did the one. But I think it was quite a big ticket they went in for. Okay, um, and now w- one thing you can definitely be accused of is crowding in people. Um, I mentioned at the start how how UKIB has been somewhat noticeable on LinkedIn. A lot of people have been joining UKIB in recent times. What, what's, what's your headcount now, and how many of these people are going to be focused on origination and execution? Mm. Yeah, so well, I'm glad you've noticed um, the recruitment activity. That's uh, probably our biggest priority at the moment. We mm-hmm. we currently have uh, a headcount in the bank of 175 people, but it's an unusual um, shape of headcount in that we have uh, 30 permanent employees, we've got 50 secondees from other government departments, right. and then we have the rest, the, the remaining 95 people are contract staff, so they're temporary staff. And that's a function of the fact we opened the bank quickly. Um, we were keen to get going, uh, keen to you know lean into these urgent problems that we have in front of us in our mandate. What we're doing now is we're building the permanent staff. So taking that number of 30 um, and growing it. In our steady state, we think we'll be about 280 people um, in total across the bank. And about 90 of those will be 90 to 100. So a third, just over a third, will be in the front office. So in the origination Mm -hmm. or execution portfolio management functions. Um, okay. What we're building it, we're building it, we're building a policy, a new policy bank. So, mm-hmm. as well as the origination functions, we need risk management and finance and all the control functions as well. And and your centre of operations is Leeds, correct? It is absolutely. Yeah. It's in Leeds. Yeah. Uh, we have a small office in London, but the main office is in Leeds. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the roles will be Leeds based. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend. 80% of my time there, you know, four days out of the five in the working week, I'm in Leeds. One day I'm normally in London because shareholders here, the market's here, etc. Yeah. But it's, yeah. a, again, a big part of the government's drive towards regional and local economic growth was to create um, centres of excellence outside of the capital. 
Indeed. Um, Indeed. So we're going to create these 280 jobs in Leeds. The FCA and the Bank of England are also moving jobs to Leeds. The National Infrastructure Commission is going to open a new office in Leeds in January. So uh, it's not just us. There's, there's quite a lot happening in Leeds. Goodness. Uh, it's, did, did you talk to Richard Threlfall? He's about the only infrastructure person I know who actually lives in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Leeds. It's a great city. They've oh, gosh, really yes, welcomed us. Right. But it mm. does, It you know, the, the, the challenge of building a new bank outside of London it is a challenge because mm. the, the head, you know, the people market is, is mostly London. So what we're finding is um, we're going to have to be a little bit patient on the recruitment side. Um, if we're patient, we can absolutely get the right caliber of people. Indeed. Um, but the market is smaller. And, you know, mm. we're, we're collecting people who, for whom Yorkshire makes sense. We're collecting people with the right skills um, who are able to move at this point in their life and career. But that's a subset of the total universe of, you know, infrastructure qualified mm-hmm. bankers mm-hmm. Um, or qualified professionals. The, the subset that we're going for is is smaller than the, the whole. So we're, yes. um, we're having to be a little patient. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I, I don't know if you know this, John, but I, I spent three years, I, I've been in um, infrastructure and energy since 2004, and I spent three years of that actually in headhunting in infrastructure and energy as well. So um, with my headhunter's head on for one second, I immediately thought of Richard because I know he lives up there. But um, yeah, that, it is always challenging to get people away from the key centres. But um, I, I think it's there's plenty of people who've had enough of London. Yeah, maybe as well. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay, um, let's. Um, so that's that's your headcount, and that that's how you're going to be breaking it down. Um, let's set the scene and take a look at what you've done to date. You you mentioned earlier that you've done ten. You've made. You've lent to ten projects. Can can you can you um, give us some details on those? Sort of sectoral, even amounts, if you can. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Total commitments across the 10 transactions today is just over 1.4 billion pounds. And okay. I think that you know the first 10 transactions give the market a flavor, uh, an indication of the types of things that we're likely to do. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anyone to, to extrapolate in a linear fashion from the first 10 Indeed. and say that's what your portfolio would look like. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple of transactions with local authorities. So we have a mm-hmm. specific part of our mandate from Treasury is to help local authorities with the financing of their infrastructure projects. Mm-hmm. So our first transaction was a £100 million transaction with the um, Tees Valley Combined Authority. Mm-hmm. They've got a really uh, interesting development project. We're financing the, the development of a deep water quay, mm. which will allow the, the, the large ships that service the offshore wind sector to come and collect the the rigs that will mm-hmm. will be assembled in the offshore wind fields nice. and then subsequently service them so uh, that was our first transaction we've done another transaction a smaller transaction that relates to zero emission buses with uh, with the west midlands combined authority mm-hmm. uh, we've been a big investor in subsidy free solar mm-hmm. um, using uh, partnering with next energy uh, which is exciting. You know, the solar technology is very well established. There's nothing new, but the market is still quite dependent on the subsidy. And we wanted to signal to the market that it's, you know, we've got the risk appetite to move on from the subsidies now. Let's just take market and merchant risk. 
So, right. so we've made that intervention. And we've been quite active as well in the digital space. So helping the government achieve its policy ambitions of uh, you know, very extensive um, high-quality broadband coverage across the UK, you know, a requirement that's essential for both net zero and I think for the levelling up agenda. So we've played a role catalyzing that and accelerating the development of, uh, of the digital sector. Right. And then maybe the final one just to, to, to note, because it's, you know, I, for me, one of the more interesting transactions is we we financed the interconnector between the UK and Germany. So well, an undersea cable that will connect, yeah, Neuconnect, exactly, that mm-hmm. will connect uh, the, Germany's energy system with the UK's energy system so we can, we can swap energy um, yeah. as and when required. Mm. So... I'm going to see more of those. You know, I I keep on thinking back to um, EIB and I keep on thinking back to TIFU. And, you know, I'm left going, are you more actually of a green investment bank? Remember them? Um, Because they were set up by government and uh, they then lent to a bunch of projects and then it got flogged to Macquarie. Um, you don't anticipate that's the same route that's going to be taken here, and arguably the government shouldn't have sold it off at all because we'd be in a much better position. We wouldn't have to staff up, and uh, yeah, we would have been no, I mean, look, it's a little bit. I think it's a it's a fair observation. We're doing now what the GIB did ten years ago in, you know, yeah. in terms of building yeah. out the bank and the policies and recruiting people, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and, and and as you might expect, when I was approached about taking this role on that was my first question you know I, yeah. I don't want to do this if 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 we just if it's going to be a short-term project um mm. and I, i've had received every assurance that the that the bank uh, that the treasury intends us to be an enduring institution that's the phrase mm-hmm. that they use there's a bill going through parliament at the moment which will establish the bank on a legislative footing and, and give mm-hmm. us formally the authorities that we need um so I think it's unlikely that we we suffer a, a similar, uh, you know, a, a similar fate, and and I think that's largely because the the whole agenda around the transition to net zero has shifted a long way mm-hmm. since GIB was originally set up. I think in two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. So you now we're very focused on laying the foundations for an enduring institution. So the EIB is no longer roaming around the mm-hmm. UK deploying capital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're absolutely needed. So our task is just to do to do this well. Yeah, I like the use of the verb suffer. <laughs> um, yep, and I, I do actually, I'm trying to think back to Green Investment Bank when it was created. Did they say the same thing for that? Ah, goodness, who knows? Uh, time will tell, but, um, you know, we can always Time will back. tell. <laughs> you can never tell what they're going to do. Um, now, renewables, that's obviously going to be... Um, key focus for you and you've already mentioned um in your recently launched strategic plan you note that uh, clean energy is expected to be the biggest sector for investment in your portfolio uh will ukib uh be taking big tickets on offshore wind is that the future i mean shovel a lot of money out the door there but uh what's your thoughts on that so today i would say based on everything we can see Maybe not because the market's mm. working well and we're not needed. Yeah, but um, there are aspects of the offshore wind sector that could challenge the markets in in the not too distant future. One is just simply the scale of the expansion, um, mm-hmm. the massive amounts of financing required to meet the total offshore wind ambitions. So it's possible that the the, the market runs into capacity issues, and if it mm. does, we might have a role to play. 
Mm-hmm. And with respect to floating offshore wind, mm. um, there's very sig- very significant infrastructure build required to get to floating offshore wind. The re- the redevelopment of ports to allow the ports to configure the pl- and, and manufacture the platforms that will then be uh, the floating platforms that will um, be the, a critical p- component of the of the floating offshore wind sector. And then the offtos, you know, the, the offto markets mm. a, again a critical critical part of, of offshore wind obviously post development the assets already built but the way yeah. that the regulatory regime works they've mm-hmm. got to be set you know the transmission's got to be separated and that that financing market's got to work so as as things look today the market seems to be functioning well mm-hmm. if we look into the future there are a number of areas where we think the markets could get a bit stressed or, or gaps could appear and we might well play a role and say that our role is to is to fill these gaps and to try and make sure that the markets function well. Um, so we stand ready to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of, lots of people today would say you're not needed in offshore wind. The market's functioning, the capital's flowing. Yep. And as long as that continues, that's great. We'll focus on something else. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that's going to last for offshore wind, but um, time will tell on that front. Uh, I'm seeing a bunch of very curious lenders um, appearing at the table, and um, it's almost like it's um, it's, it's kind of peaked. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but then the recent one that's going through at the moment, um, it's got all the usual lenders there and some unexpected ones. Oh, I don't know. Um, that's really interesting. I, th- I think in a, in a year's time, um, we we should maybe maybe less than a year. We should revisit this and um, come back and sure. say, okay, let's let's have a chat about crowding in versus crowding out, and um, hold you to account and see what the market says. Um, but uh, yeah, it's let's take a look at rising inflation and the energy crisis uh, it's, it's a curious market to be working in uh, pretty much every day I, I get deja vu moments from 2008 um, how do you see this perfect storm affecting the infrastructure lending markets well there's no question it is affecting the markets i mean as you say mm. it's a perfect storm we've had a number a number of factors we had a, a bout of political uncertainty that the markets did not like Mm. Um, and there's still a bit of a hangover from that. I'm hoping that a new financial year in, in a couple of weeks will provide something of a reset, but there is no question that international um, risk appetite for, for the UK has been impacted somewhat. Mm. You know, every infrastructure project starts with a big old spreadsheet um, that's, that's modelling cash flows, and we've had a, a, an extended period of modelling cash flows largely in the absence of inflation, either labour labor price inflation or energy uh, cost inflation, that's no longer the case. Mm. So th- there's no qu- there's no doubt that it's become more complicated. Um, on the positive side, the war in Ukraine has intensified people's thinking around domestic energy security and the Indeed. need to make sure that we do not slip on this transition that we're on um, to towards domestic resilience. So you know there's uh, there's some positive factors and some negative factors, but it's become more complicated now. For the market, that's a challenge. It just increases the reason for this new bank to exist. You know, if, mm-hmm. if we've been set up to solve problems, the list of potential problems or gaps or failures has grown, sadly, in the last six months, or the last 12 months. And um, and that will mean that actually, I think our challenge becomes more compelling and more interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, absolutely. All the more compelling because you were telling me before this started started that your your heating's uh, not working today. <laughs> for, for the listener, it's pretty chilly out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm enjoying this conversation, but I'm not enjoying the temperature in my study. So that's really, uh, my, problem, my problem. I tell you what. Uh, look, I know you've got a hard stop, um, so I'm going to jump onto my last question. Uh, here, this this is a bit of a pitch for you. What what do companies need to know about UKIB and how they can work with you? Yeah, thank you. Well, I think I'd say two things. The first thing is we have no competitors, right? We're not a traditional mm-hmm. bank. If somebody else wants to do some financing, we're, we, you know, we wish them well and we will move on. But if um, there is a, a company, a sponsor, uh, who has got a project that's consistent with our mandate of financing the infrastructure for net zero or for leveling up, mm-hmm. um, we'd love to hear from them. Okay. We have a triple bottom line. Treasury requires three things of the bank. They do want us to become profitable. Mm-hmm. We've got a low return on equity target in the context mm-hmm. of the market, which I think indicates the risk appetite that, that we're expected to take. But we're expected to be profitable. We are expected to crowd in private capital, private finance, and we're expected to have impact and be additional to, to the market. So if, mm-hmm. if we see a project that fits our mandate and that meets um, our triple bottom line objectives, um, I'd like to think that we'll be a, go- a good partner to work with. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we are this curious being of, of we have no regulators, um, no competitors, and only one shareholder. So I'd like to think once we've built, built the human resource and mm-hmm. we've built the muscles that the bank needs, mm-hmm. we should be a really effective partner and an effective collaborator. Okie dokie. Um, there you go. Give them a call. Okay, I think that about wraps it up for us. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't know if we'd get this far. Um, I was out to lunch the other day with some banking chums, and the questions they wanted me to ask you, well, I think it would have been the shortest podcast I'd have done to date. Um, so, John, thank you very much for joining us here on InfraDig. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Um, and to the listener, I wish you the season's greetings, and we'll be back in the new year. For now, I just hope that you have found this podcast to be anything but... In for a dig.